Hey lovelies, before we get started, I wanted to remind you of all the different ways you can get your hands on one of my designs. Impact Fashion is a line of size-inclusive, modest clothing available in sizes 2 through 28. I personally design and pattern every single piece in the collection so that it is fitted to perfection and every single piece runs the same. That means that once you know your size, that is your size in every single piece in the collection. Pretty cool, no? You could shop the collection online at impactfashionnyc.com. Shipping is totally free in the U.S. and the return policy is, if I do say so myself, better than Amazon. You have 30 days to make a decision and don't even have to pay return shipping or any sort of annoying restocking fee. Impact Fashion can also be found at the address at American Dream Mall. The address is a curated, modest department store and definitely worth a visit if you are not an online shopping type of person. The American Dream Mall is located right next to the Meadowlands Sports Complex in New Jersey, and to get to the address, you're going to want to park in Lot C, Level 3. Make a left when you walk in, and you'll see the address on your right. I'm always happy to chat, whether that's to answer your sizing questions or just get to know each other better. Find me on Instagram and TikTok at impact.fashion.nyc or on WhatsApp status at 516-953-9391. You can also email me. It's rifky, R-I-V-K-Y, at impactfashionnyc.com. Enjoy the show. From Impact Fashion, it's Be Impactful, a show about the women making a difference in their own lives. And on today's show, I sit down with a cosmetic dentist to discuss oral health and beauty. She shares her thoughts on confidence and altering your face, how beauty standards factor into her work, what pro-aging dentistry looks like, and how she has built her own confidence. Dr. Victoria Weitzman, or Dr. V as she is known, is a celebrity cosmetic dentist who takes a holistic approach to designing beautiful smiles that enhance the faces they live in. Personally, I haven't spent a whole lot of time thinking about beauty in relation to my mouth, so I hope you find this conversation as insightful as I did. What I was like as a little kid, I think I was creative, I was a little bit on the shyer side, I would spend hours drawing and working with my hands, which is why I went to art school, and I think that's a big reason why I'm doing what I do today. It's just got this real creative component. I think a lot of it, a lot of times the way we are as kids sort of dictates where we end up, you know, in our careers and kind of shapes our experiences. So that's an interesting question. It's, I always like to start with it because I think that it's really fun for people to see that, like you said, where we are as kids kind of dictates to a certain extent, but also sometimes there are people who are like, I was like this as a kid and I changed it. Like I went, I went so far against it. So, so it's always a fun place for me to start. You mentioned you were in art school. You are now a doctor. You're a dentist. Talk yeah. to me about, talk to me about finding your path in that. Talk to me about how you, how you eventually ended up where you are and how you went from, you know, artistry to artistry in people's mouths. Yeah. So I'm a cosmetic dentist and we focus primarily on beautifying smiles. There's a huge artistic component to that. There's a whole process of smile design where we're looking at the shape of the face, colors, and really making sure we can design a smile to harmonize with the rest of the face. 
And the way that ties into going to art school when I was growing up is that, you know, I did a lot of portraiture, worked with colors, lighting, and I think that's so important to what I do now. So it's really such a natural feeling for me to look at, some, look at someone's smile, look at someone's face and really kind of assess how can we make this look better? How can we really accentuate you know, the, the good features and kind of minimize things that the patient might not like. So it's a very natural process for me to look at a face artistically and creatively. Um, and that's kind of, that was the natural progression of it. You know, being in art school and wanting to be in a healing profession, be some sort of doctor, which was always my goal, but really integrating that creative component. So cosmetic industry is really like the perfect blend of the two. How did you even hear about this? Because I will be perfectly honest, until your team reached out to me about doing this conversation, I did not know that cosmetic dentistry was even a thing. Well, when I started dental school, I actually didn't know that cosmetic dentistry was a thing either. It only happened, I would say, you know, after I graduated, I I had a friend that called me and said, hey, could you do my veneers? I really don't like how my smile looks. I'm really uncomfortable. And at first, my initial reaction was like, well, I'm not sure. And that's what kind of prompted me to start taking a lot of classes in cosmetic dentistry. I have a lot of amazing mentors that actually have been doing this for a really long time. And I saw these amazing transformations that they were making for people. Not only that, but I saw how happy and satisfied they were in their own profession, being able to make a difference and not really being 100% clinical, like doing root canals and fillings all day. Um, they were really impacting people's lives. And that's what we're talking about today, impact. And that really prompted me as like, oh, wait, maybe this is something that I can consider doing long term. And that's what sort of led to this path of cosmetic dentistry. It was really just a request from a friend and then meeting mentors who did this for years and seeing the transformative power of what they did and how happy they were, um, you know, being able to do that for people. And that's what sort of led down this path. So when we think about See, when we think about like beauty and wellness and also just this whole area about like how we look and maybe changing a little bit of how we look to gain more confidence, um, it's 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 a it's a loaded topic, right? There's a lot to think about there and there's a lot to there's there's a lot to process. But I'm curious to know from your perspective on all of this, do most of your clients come to you saying like, I, I don't like my smile, I want to fix something? Like, do most of your clients have a specific problem area that they are looking to alter? Do people just come for like general consults? How do you how do you kind of do that holistically? And also, I mean, we've all had the experience of like changing something about the way we looked and then still kind of feeling a little gross, like still not feeling that inner confidence type of feeling. So how do you make sure that your clients come out feeling better, you know, regardless of what they look like? So that is such a loaded question. I think confidence and the way we feel about ourselves is so multi-layered with our external appearance just being the surface of it, just the tip of that glacier. Um, however, I do find that when we start to alter or enhance our outer appearance, that can really help get into those inner layers where we do start to see shifts in confidence. Um, to really tackle things in life, to have the self-esteem, to really be ourselves, removing those vulnerabilities that people have had for years and years and years and sometimes their entire life really allows them to, you know, set their best foot forward. Um, and so I think confidence is really multi-layered. And while the external appearance is not 
the end all be all. It really is the gateway to further transformation and further change. It's almost like transforming one part of your life can really allow you to start transforming other parts of your life, shifts in confidence and self-esteem or what we see all the time. And you're right. Sometimes people come in and expect that having a smile makeover will completely change their life. Um, that, that isn't always the case, but, but it does help. I think that um, making that decision to take that first step to change one thing about your life that you don't like can ultimately lead to other changes. And I look at change and life transformation as a more holistic 360 approach uh, with a smile just being one part of it. So we're not guaranteeing that someone's life will change completely, but but what we are saying is that, that those little shifts in confidence, those incremental shifts in confidence can lead to much bigger change. Right. It's kind of like how if you are not feeling so great in your body, getting clothes that fit you can be such a good first step towards yeah. getting comfortable. 100%, you know, changes in confidence, changing your life, success, all of that are just incremental shifts. It's not just one big thing that changes. It's really a series of things. And in our opinion, you know, um, the smile is one part of that formula, one part of the code to kind of transformation. So yeah. I'm curious, you used this phrase before smile design, which I which is just such an interesting way of of looking at this. What are some of the things that you're looking for? Like, I mean, we've all seen those creepy photos of people who have just gone like way too white with their teeth and it's just creepy looking and, and stuff like that. So what are you thinking about when you are designing a patient smile? Yeah, we go through an entire process of smile design. The first step, obviously, is really an in-depth conversation with the patient. You know, what are the things that are bothering you? Uh, trying to really articulate that and hone in on what the points about their smile are that we may want to change. Also, we look at the smile and the smile design holistically. We look at the entire face. We're looking at a patient's skin tone, hair color. We're looking at their overall facial features. And the goal really is not perfection. I feel like in this culture, especially on Instagram, Instagram and a lot of industries now, we're, we're really chasing perfection, but that's really not what we're trying to do. I think there's definitely beauty and imperfection, and we're really just trying to enhance what a patient already has, um, have it harmonized with the rest of their face, give them that glow, give them that confidence. I think a dangerous thing is chasing perfection. I find a lot of times patients will come in with a, a photoshopped photo of a smile wanting that, but we have to understand that, you know, the goal isn't that the goal is really just becoming the best version of yourself. Right. People will come in with Photoshop versions of their own smiles or like of other people's, you know, pulling in pictures of celeb photos that have obviously been Photoshopped. So, you know, I think we have to be careful with the standards that we're comparing ourselves to, you know, and understanding that the goal in life is really not achieving perfection. That's never possible, even though I love the word perfect. It's I understand it's not possible, but really just becoming the best, most self-actualized version of yourself. That's all you can really um, hope to attain. How do you find that beauty standards factor into the work that you do and, and like your patients' expectations? Because like you said, people are coming in wanting to have a certain result and it's your job to give that to them. Yeah, I mean, I think that... Uh, Frankly, 98% of my patients are women, and I think that women are held to a much higher standard uh, in beauty and then in this day and age, in the age of social media, you know, um, 
aging almost isn't accepted anymore. And, uh, you know, people hold themselves to this unattainable standard, but, um, you know, it's a matter of really finding ways to just elevate where you are in life, you know, enhance what you have. And in my case, with what we do, really restoring what patients may have lost with time. So we, you know, use the term pro-aging. We have pro-aging dentistry. We do dentifacial aesthetics. So the goal is really taking a holistic 360 approach to beauty, oral care, and wellness. What do you mean by that phrase, pro-aging? So, you know, aging is a process that happens to everyone, right? It's just natural and it's beautiful, right? As we, as time goes on, we gain wisdom, we gain strength, gain resilience, we're able to achieve things, you know, um, and really see the progression of our lives along a timeline. Um, and it's nothing to kind of shy away from. So we try to support that process. You know, the smile is really one of the first places that aging shows up and we can, with time, be proactive and, you know, potentially restore volume that's been lost or remove stains that have accumulated over time. So really try to support that process because, you know, as time goes on, things will happen, um, especially to the smile. It's the most used part of the body, right? So we understand that. And um, it's really just being proactive with that. When when you say like aging shows on a smile, I'll be perfectly honest. When I think about aging, I'm thinking wrinkles. I'm thinking like fat distribution. I'm not really thinking about the the smile and about the mouth. So what are some of the ways that we see aging like o- over time in, in our smile and what can we do to prevent that? Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. I think when most people think about aging, they think about skin, mm-hmm. right? Uh, collagen loss, they think about wrinkles, but really, you know, when you think about the smile, the smile really is one third of the face and it really supports the entire face. Uh, most of the focus in the beauty industry really is on this upper third where the eyes are and the crow's feet and um, getting Botox in your forehead, but what's really not addressed is aging in, in this part of the face, which really supports the entire foundation. So the kinds of things that you could see in your smile over time are chipping, loss of volume. So it's not just um, the skin that loses volume, it's actually the teeth as well. Um, the gum tissue also, it's it's just an extension of the skin. So any changes you might start to see on your skin, you'll see that in the gums as well, loss of collagen, there are things like recession that can show up staining, you know, with coffee, tea, red wine, people should be enjoying their lives, but that's something that could show up on the teeth as well. So there's lots of different things that could show up in the mouth. And also, you know, the mouth actually takes the brunt of the force when it comes to, you know, these days people might be a little bit stressed out. So with grinding and clenching, you know, people have TMJ pain, but also that can manifest in the teeth as well with chipping and wear. So there are a lot of things that show up in the smile, in the aging process that we can work proactively to start restoring and preventing. You know, it's really a matter of looking at the smile as really part of the body. And I think that's one of the things that the dental industry has been sort of this lone ranger in the wellness field and in the beauty field, but really how do we integrate that into the way we think about beauty and the way we think about wellness? So how do we do that? Like, how do we integrate that? And what are some of the things that we can do to prevent or maybe treat, like you said, this grinding, staining, all of these signs of aging uh, and just general wear and tear that show up in our smiles? 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's taking a really holistic view and approach to oral care, the smile, beauty, wellness, the interconnectedness of it all. Uh, the best way, obviously, is prevention, being proactive, obviously seeing your dentist regularly. Um, and if there are things that bother someone about their smile, if they've lost volume, that can be restored with things like porcelain or fillings. What I specialize in is smile makeovers and full mouth reconstruction. So I see a lot of people that, you know, have signs of aging in their smile. And does it mean we don't look at the smile with, with chronological biological age, you know, we look at it as symptoms that show up. So for instance, you know, you can have someone in their twenties that shows a lot more signs of aging than someone in their fifties sometimes. So if that's the case and that's affecting someone's confidence, there are definitely things we can do with smile makeovers, porcelain veneers, going through a whole process of smile design. Um, so that's one way restoring what's been lost, um, reducing the signs of aging in a smile, preventative care with the dentist. There are other things like oral probiotics that I think um, aren't talked about enough as well, really managing that oral microbiome in the mouth, uh, managing the pH in the mouth, and really looking at the mouth as its own ecosystem that's deeply interconnected to everything else. It's really the gateway to overall health. That's such an interesting way of thinking about it, because like I've heard about the gut microbiome, and I've thought quite a bit about my own as someone who is Ashkenazi Jewish and can't have cheese. But like, that's something that I spend a lot of time thinking about, but I've never thought about the fact that there, like you said, there's a microbiome in the mouth as well. Is Are there certain like foods that we should just like, just don't, don't touch this because it'll wreck with your teeth. It'll wreck with your mouth. Are there things that should really be like avoided? No, I'm not going to say there are things that should be hundred percent avoided because I know that's not realistic, but I do know that Anything that is healthy for your body is likely healthy for your mouth. You know, any unhealthy foods that we know of that are notoriously unhealthy for overall wellness are likely unhealthy for your mouth. I really think it's looking at oral health as really an extension of overall wellness. You know, stay hydrated. Obviously, I'm not going to tell people not to, to have coffee because coffee has health benefits. One of my personal uh, things that I I'm not a fan of obviously a sugar, but I think that, you know, everything in moderation, I think sugar has so many negative effects overall um, to overall wellness. It's one of the biggest causes of inflammation and inflammation that happens in your body will ultimately happen in your mouth. Um, sugar also is one of the leading causes of things like Alzheimer's and inflammatory diseases of the brain, you know, and uh, of the cardiovascular system. So I think we need to be careful with certain things, but again, I wouldn't say totally eliminate everything, um, you know, everything in moderation. I like, I like that approach. I can definitely, I, I can definitely get behind that, that line of, of thinking. Yeah. You mentioned, I want to, I want to veer off to a, a little bit of a different kind of area. We spoke about confidence uh, at the beginning a little bit. When you see someone who has, you know, gone through the smile makeover process and, and had that affect the way that they thought about themselves and, and really helped them build their confidence. What have you seen happen after that? Like, what are the ways that going through this process of taking care of this aspect of how you look has really helped your patients in other ways? I mean, we've seen these 
changes happen on so many levels with people after a smile makeover. There's something that happens quietly and internally too. Uh, when someone just naturally feels better about themselves, you can tell in just the way that they carry themselves. You know, we've seen patients come in that would, you know, in speaking or laughing, cover their mouths and just their gestures and how they express themselves has changed. They just carry themselves more confidently. Um, they have the confidence to take on things that they may not have wanted to in the past, whether it's new jobs, new opportunities, new relationships. I really think it's impactful on so many levels. And a lot of that comes from a deep internal place. I think when someone has a very deep vulnerability that has bothered them almost their entire life. Um, eliminating that really has so many even unspoken benefits for them on an emotional level. We see it all the time. What are some ways that you've been able to build your own confidence over the years? I think leading into um, past successes, I think it's very easy to be hard on ourselves and uh, be very self-critical, which I am definitely um, guilty of. But I think kind of quieting that chatterbox in the brain of, of self-criticism really helps build confidence and really remembering, you know, past successes, things that we've done, achievements. Um, and a lot of my confidence actually comes from this work that I do, you know, being able to help others with their transformations uh, really gives me a lot of uh, purpose. And I think a lot of my confidence comes from that purpose. Yeah, I I can definitely relate to that. I definitely, I, I feel that on a soul level, a phrase yeah. that I heard someone use a, a little while ago that I really liked. Uh, we've, We've talked about like a couple of the different services that you have, right? Like the um, veneers and things like that. One thing that I haven't heard you mention is whitening, which I feel mm -hmm. like is that that's kind of everybody's gateway drug when it comes to thinking about their right. smile in terms of of how it looks and how it makes them feel and, and all of that. I, I mean, I've lost count of how many people I've seen get whitening treatments on their couch, just like hanging out with that weird thing in their mouth and have someone come to them and, and all of that. Are those types of treatments safe to be doing in like a not medical setting? Because that to me seems just a little bit strange. So I think whitening, like you said, yes, it, it is probably one of the first things people think about when they think about their smile. I think color is just part of the story. I think that if someone really loves their whole smile and loves the shape of the teeth, loves the size of the, the, size of the teeth, loves how the smile fits into the rest of their face and really just has some staining, whitening can be a great super conservative option. Often though, um, with the patients that come see me, it's definitely not enough. Um, so we focus on things like porcelain veneers and full smile makeovers. The whitening treatments that you see that people do at home, that's a much lower percentage of hydrogen peroxide. And yes, they're safe. They're, they're, you know, the hydrogen peroxide we use in our office is about 25%. What you would use at home is between eight and 10. So it is safe, but it's not going to get you exactly the same results as you get with an in-office whitening. So, so when it's, it's Wait yeah. for maintenance. It's it's better for maintenance, I would say, not really like a full whitening treatment. So when I have, like, if you, at what point do you graduate, for lack of a better word, to needing something that is more of a holistic, like full smile, full smile makeover, like we've been talking about? 
So there are different ways to assess the smile. Really, you know, the health of the smile is the foundation of all beauty. So when patients come in for consultations, we really look at the health first um, and have to address, address all those underlying issues first. So it's really a marriage of the health and the beauty of the smile. Um, and oftentimes just addressing those health and functional issues will ultimately lead to a more beautiful smile. Um, when a patient presents with a relatively healthy smile, but just has aesthetic concerns, then we can have that conversation. Okay, what exactly is bothering you? Is it the size of the teeth, the shape shape of the teeth? Do you feel like your smile gets lost in your face when you smile? So there are different things that we can address. Ultimately, our goal is to really just take what someone has, elevate it. We don't want to give them a completely different smile. We want to enhance what they have, enhance their overall facial beauty, um, and really have it still look natural and vibrant. That's just our aesthetic. You know, we definitely don't want to have anything where someone's someone has teeth that someone compliments and says, oh, hey, those are nice teeth. We just want them to have that fresh look where people say, hey, you've got a beautiful smile. So definitely, I think um, vibrant and natural is what we always go for. I would imagine that like lips play a role in this and like the cheek construction and like everything else that is around just your teeth would also play a role into what the overall look is. I'm assuming that your work, and correct me if I'm wrong, is just inside the mouth because you're a dentist. So how do you kind of factor in all of that? Like if a if a patient were to come to you and like not mention that they were getting lip filler, let's say in a month or two, would that mess up everything that you did? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, in designing the smile, we have to understand that the teeth are framed by the lips and the lips live within the entire face. So we actually have to take everything into consideration. And you're right, when we're planning and designing the smile, we take into account the size of the patient's lips, the shape, you know, uh, are they getting filler? A lot of times when we design these smiles, we can, we always advise patients to do the smile first, do the teeth first because then they could potentially do less lip filler, do less to enhance the lips because we're giving them that support. But we do have to take into account the shape of the lips, the size, are they casting a shadow on the teeth? Do we now need to make the teeth a little bit brighter? Um, yeah, it all plays a role in, in designing the smile from the lips to the cheeks, to the shape of the face, to how wide set the nose and the eyes are. We always want everything to look in harmony um, and symmetric, not perfect. So it's really just reestablishing a nice flow, a nice harmony in the face. Um, even if it's not perfect, some of my favorite smile design cases that we've done have been perfectly imperfect and it just looked so beautiful and enhanced the entire face. I think we've all had the experience of seeing someone who has gone a little bit too far in trying to get that exact perfect look. And even if they end up achieving it, which I feel like is rare, but if they do end up achieving it, it just feels a little weird right? Like it just looks a little off. Exactly. Exactly. You know, perfection doesn't even exist in nature, right? So um, yeah, we just try to take take that person's um, smile, take their look and really just take it to the next level to elevate it, really take what they have and enhance it. We still want to build in characteristics um, of their natural smile. Um, we still want to retain a lot of that natural um, characteristic, whether it be shape, or width or size, you know, and really enhance it. We don't want it to look overly done, overly perfect. I do like to build in tiny little imperfections. I think it makes the smile look so much 
more natural. And honestly, I look at faces all day and some of the most beautiful faces that I've seen really have a little bit of imperfection, a little bit of nuance, and that's just what gives them the uniqueness. What are some of the imperfections that you'll build in? Like what would be an example of a way that you would make something slightly less than perfect to get a better overall result? So little imperfections we can build into the smile. And I don't even want to call it imperfections. I would say characteristics would be not an overly white, opaque color. We use uh, colors that are multi-chromatic, a, a couple of different colors and hues mixed together. So we're not going for that perfect white you know, color that looks like a wall. We definitely don't want that. Maybe little nuances in the shapes of the teeth, uh, teeth that we can have, that have dimensions. So they're not all one size. They're not all straight across. They have a little dimension in terms of size, shape, and all of that. Um, also the width of the smile, you know, we, we kind of make it look natural. So we, we uh, block out some of those shadows called buckle corridors on the sides of the smile. So there are a lot of little things we can, little um, crowding, like teeth that are not perfectly, perfectly straight. We kind of go with what the patient has underneath and enhance it. That's a very cool approach. I've never thought about the space between my teeth and the edge of my lips before. And I love yep. that that has a name. Yeah, yeah. So that space between the edge of your teeth and the edge of your cheek, that's called the buccal corridor. And it's totally natural and it should be there. But a lot of times enhancing that and really looking at the whole face can can create this illusion where the eye doesn't just go to the upper third of your face, but the eye carries down here to this white space that we've created now with the teeth. So it's really a matter of having the eye go from someone's eye when they're looking at you going from the upper third of your face to the lower third in a really balanced, harmonious way. I love that way of thinking about it. You mentioned health as the kind of baseline for uh, you know, a smile makeover and everything that goes into it. What are some of the symptoms that we should be looking out for that is like, girl, get yourself to a dentist right now? Yeah. And I think that women of every age, um, it, it's really important for them to take a preventative approach to their health and really be proactive about it. And I think oral care is a big part of that because it's so connected to everything else. It's connected, like I said, to cognitive health, to cardiovascular health. And as women, um, we go through so many hormonal changes in our lives, whether it be you know, pregnancy, menopause, perimenopause, medications that we're on, and all those hormones and those hormonal shifts really can have an effect on our oral health. So I think regular checkups, cleanings, taking care of our overall wellness has a huge impact on our oral health. Obviously, there are simple things like using an electric toothbrush, taking oral probiotics, flossing, tongue scraping, um, using alcohol-free mouthwash. So there are things like that that we can do. And I think that being proactive and preventative, visiting your dentist, and really just taking a holistic approach to your health is really the thing for a woman of any age to do. I say this as someone who has not been at the dentist definitely since I gave birth. Oh, wow. And we are firmly in the toddler stage now. So yeah, we got to get on that. It's just, yeah. it, I think that it's all, it's so hard for us also. Listen, like your teeth don't, you have to go to the dentist. You need to do those checkups and all of that. But unless something's hurting, it's really hard to just be like, make the appointment, go make the time, make it happen. And like you said, like as women, we have so much going on that a lot of times those things just fall to the wayside. 
No, I think you're totally right. I think as women, we always have so much going on, but um, I think prioritizing self-care, taking care of ourselves is really the thing that's going to allow us to take care of others best. And I think oral care is just part of that puzzle, part of that code to overall wellness and, and self-care and taking care of ourselves. I think that we all need to um, hone in on that. I think the better we take care of ourselves, um, the more we can show up for others. Yeah. And even if it's not about showing up for others, even if it's just about you should take care of yourself, right? Like you should get those appointments done and all of that. But for so many of us, that that mindset of like, okay, do this so that you can take care of others is the easiest stepping stone. And I am speaking to myself right now. This, yeah, yeah, yeah. this is something no, that I need to internalize. Yeah, like you said, you just, you know, mothers are in that mindset all the time, you know, prioritizing families and their kids or even professionals, you know, for me, prioritizing my patients, prioritizing work. But I think self-care is, uh, needs to be a priority, not just for the sake of taking care of ourselves, but also, yeah, to be able to take care of others in a better, more um, effective way. Totally agree. This has been such a wonderful conversation. If somebody wants to learn more about you and what they do, where can they go? Uh, they can visit us on Instagram, Dr. Victoria DDS. Love that. And to end off, um, I'll link that in the show notes also so that anyone who wants can, uh, can find it. Uh, and it's a great follow, by the way. Really fun, really fun account. I've very much been enjoying it. The um, last thing that I always ask everyone who's on the show is in what way, like at where in your life do you think that you've made the most impact? I think that um, creating impact it has really been, and I say this all the time, the biggest motivator for me in doing anything that I do. I think with what I do daily with patients, I create impact on, you know, a micro scale with patients one at a time, you know, we're attempting uh, to enhance their lives, to help them be their best selves and really so privileged to be part of that process. It really is, albeit, difficult sometimes because of the the nature of the work it really is super rewarding and gives me purpose um so i think on that micro level you know i create impact there daily um the goal would be to create greater impact moving forward on a little bit of a larger scale you know and i think it's it's always a process it's um a progression and um you know, it could take a lifetime to achieve the impact that you might want to ultimately achieve. Could and I think that's more. a good goal. Yeah, I think that's a good goal, approaching your work, approaching your career, approaching your life with, from the lens of, you know, how much impact have we created as an indicator for success versus other things like money, followers, and things like that. I love that reframe of how we think about. Thank you so much for coming on today, Dr. V. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Nice to chat with you. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more about Dr. V, her links are in the show notes. By the way, I have gone to the dentist since we've recorded this. And if you need to make that appointment, just do it. On last week's episode, I went solo to share the process of designing the ribbon dress. Listen to her wherever you're hearing this one. The Be Impactful podcast is a project of impact fashion, the clothing line I created because I believe that we are all deserving of the beautiful things life has to offer. See my modest designs that are available in sizes 2 through 28 by going to impactfashionnyc.com. Access all of that by swiping up on the cover art. There are currently 19 people listed by Ora Agunot as a recalcitrant party. View their names, photos, locations, and details of their cases by visiting getora.org slash recalcitrant parties. The episode art was designed by Michelle Moses, original music composed by Nissan Fetman. This episode was produced and hosted by me, Rifki Itzkwitz. Catch me on all the socials at impact.fashion.myc. Here's to making an impact together.